0: Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of Gabriel Talks Football. My name is Aldo Gandia, and if you noticed something... And you have good eyes because we redid Greg's logo, and as soon as Greg said it, the first thing he said was, "Look at those guns!" And he he should be proud of those guns because he's worked hard at it. Let me introduce him now, Greg Gabriel. How are you, my friend? I'll
1: tell you what I like that intro a lot better than that old fat guy you had on there. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and I'm still tinkering with it. So I uh, picked up some nice material when I went over to your house and you gave me the tour and stuff and got some pictures of you. But I like the way this logo turned out, right? Look at those guns is what I said when I was working on it. <laughs> not bad, Not bad for 71. Man, my wife says to me, how come your arms aren't like that? <laughs> and I told her, I, you you told me you like my soft biceps. <laughs> she goes, I, I have to rethink that now. But uh, it's a great image, and I am uh, so happy to have been working on that with you. So how are you? You told me you did hurt your shoulder working out, huh?
1: Yeah, I, I just strained it you know actually i think i did it sleeping because i got up and it was sore mm-hmm. and then i go to the gym and it was a you know upper body day and the first thing i go to do is bench and i just got 135 on and i you know i did like four or five reps that hurt like hell mm-hmm. so i just said wait a minute i'm not gonna make this worse so i stopped doing that i can do flies mm-hmm. but i i wasn't gonna do any lifting so i i haven't been back to the gym since Friday, I've just done cardio. I will tell you what, we had those two hot days. I go outside for a bike ride. That nearly killed me. Yeah, <laughs> dangerous. I'll tell you, I was sweating. Holy cow!
0: <laughs> yes, take care of yourself. Don't don't press yourself too much. I'm glad you're getting some rest and let that shoulder heal before you go back out there. What what, what is what are you pressing nowadays? When uh, when everything is working fine.
1: Well, I. I don't know what my max is. I mm-hmm. go up depending on the day. I go up to uh, two fifty-five times five reps. Two wow. holy cow! I can, but I mean, you know, so I can, I I can do more than that. But it's like, why? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's yeah, right. Know, why? I mean, uh, you know, I you just want to get a good workout in.
0: We have evidence that you don't need to do it anymore. <laughs> look at those guns. <laughs> Very impressive. All right, let's get to the topic at hand today. We're going to take a look at the skill players, wide receivers, running backs, and tight ends, and get... Greg's uh, opinion on these players, and maybe, who knows, maybe he might share a nugget or two about a player that we should keep an eye on. One of these guys that is not very familiar to many of us Chicago Bears fans. Uh, Greg, you want to start with any particular group? Want to go wide receivers first?
1: Do you, Whatever you want to do. You're the producer, director, and... All that
0: and, other stuff. An asshole. <laughs> 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 That's it for you. All right, let's start with the wide receivers. It's a big group of guys. Isaiah Coulter, Chris Finke, Valus Jones Jr., Darnell Mooney, David Moore, Daz and Dante Pettis, David Moore. Uh, did I put David Moore on there twice? I did. <laughs> then Byron Pringle, Kevin Shaw, Tajay Sharp, Equinemius St. Brown, and the Simbo Webster. I'll tell you one thing. They wanted competition at camp. You got competition the question is, how. Uh, what what is the quality of the competition overall? What do you think about these wide receivers?
1: Well, first of all, let's look at the number. And you're always going to go into camp with 12, 13 wide receivers. Mm-hmm. I, they do more work. Those and the DBs. You got to have a lot of DBs. You got to have a lot of wide receivers. Because they do more work than anybody else. More running. Uh, and they're, r- regardless of what the the practice plan is as far as hitting, etc. you're still going to do one-on-ones and seven-on-sevens, things of that sort. So you've got to have a lot of receivers to get through a good practice so the quarterbacks can get enough throws in. And you can't just do it with five, six receivers. Now going into the season, I'm figuring they keep six. I think there's four that are locks. That's Darnell Mooney, Velas Jones, Byron Pringle, Equanimius St. Brown. Uh, to me, and, and and I know both Coach Floos and Getze have talked about EQ, you know, a little bit on the side. I think he could be the surprise guy. And I, yeah, granted, I'm throwing a dart at the wall here. And and, and I'll say why. Getze was has been around this guy his entire career. And Green Bay had a pretty deep receiving core. I liked St. Brown coming out. The one issue I thought he had is that you know he played real, real good A second last year at Notre Dame. He kind of leveled off his final year. And I think part of it was he knew he was he was uh leaving, coming out early, trying to protect himself and you know, I think that it might have been a little bit of entitlement there. You know, the way he was brought up, his dad was a former Mr. Universe and has spoiled the heck out of these kids. And uh, so sometimes these kids think they're probably a little bit better than they are.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so he ends up going later in the draft than he thought he was. I think talent wise, he was probably a, a third round pick, but he went later than that. For the reasons I stated, he just didn't play as good uh, in that final year at Notre Dame. Uh, but the talent is there. I mean, he's a guy 6'5". He's probably close to 220. He runs a sub four, five. He can jump out of the building. Uh, runs. I, I think it's his route running when, since he's been at Green Bay has really improved. I saw some practice tapes of him up in Green Bay you know, running routes, and I was like, "Wow, this is a big improvement." And, and then you go back and compare it to what he was doing at Notre Dame. Now I, I'll say this about it: and I've said it a couple of times on the show. You um, you look at his brother Amon Ross St. Brown, who was a rookie at Detroit last year, had mm-hmm. 90 receptions. I think it was their leading wide receiver. Might have been their leading overall receiver. Mm-hmm. Equanimeous is more talent than that. Amon Ra St. Brown. He's bigger, he's faster, he's stronger. Uh, but I, I I think he didn't have that, doesn't have that drive that his brother had, mm-hmm. or at least didn't. But I, I'm looking for, you know, last year was was Amon Ra's first year in the league. I'm looking for a little uh, what's the word I want? Uh, fire competitive, brother. Yeah. Brotherly competition here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, uh, my younger bro did pretty good in Detroit. I got to do just as good in, uh, you know, with the Bears. So, right. uh, and, and being that he has been singled out by two different coaches more than once, you know, he could, I think he could be surprised. Now you look at his contract and you say, why, why are you even thinking about it? Well, you only pay a guy what you have to pay him. Mm-hmm. You know why overpay him? So yeah. they got him. They got they got him at a minimum because that's what he. You know, that's what he deserved based on his production.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But I, you know, I think that he is, you know, Getzey having been with this guy, know exactly what he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, seen him in practice every day. Very deep receiving core in Green Bay. He had to wait for his chance, and he wasn't going to get his chance there. Now, had he known that their number one guy was going to be gone. Maybe he doesn't leave, but that happens after the fact, you know, (laughs) he he wanted a new start and and he's going to a place where really he's going to run a very similar system. Terminology is going to be the same. Maybe exactly how they do things will be different, Mm -hmm. but the terminology is the same and right, right off the bat, that makes things simple. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's ready, he's ready to go. He's probably, more, he not probably, he is more advanced in the system than any other receiver they have.
0: And um, another receiver from Notre Dame uh, that I'd like you to comment on, because I know you've scouted a lot of Notre Dame players in your day, is Chris Finke. And the reason I bring him up is because he's been talked about a lot by the media that every time they've uh, attended practice, this guy has been making plays. He's been around the league. He's jumped around uh, two or three teams. Uh, He's a small receiver. What can you tell us about him? He's a former walker.
1: He had to earn a scholarship. He was there a few years before he got a scholarship. Mm -hmm. I think he's from the the Dayton, Ohio area. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not 100% sure on that. But he just made himself invaluable to Notre Dame while he was there and earned himself a scholarship, uh, got into the rotation, and then was a a starter his, his final year. He's a pretty good return guy he's not a burner. He's a four, five, five guy. He's small. He's a pure slot receiver, Mm -hmm. but here's the thing. You know, you could say pure slot receiver Well, he's a pure slot receiver in some offenses. I I, I don't necessarily think or mean that, that he's a slot receiver in this offense only because I go back and look at what green Bay did and green Bay always had big guys in the slot. Right. You know, so, and, and some people want to do that. You don't have that, you know, smaller, quick guy, you know, you can have a big guy because you, you look for a, mi- a mismatch and, and you can create that mismatch because a lot of times you got the smaller corner mm-hmm. and third corner playing in the slot. So trying to create the mismatch, you can put a bigger guy in there, an athletic big guy in there, and, and you have that mismatch. So um, here's the thing. I, I, I think I said this, I think the four – that I think are sure shots to make it are are Mooney, Jones, Pringle, and St. Brown. After that, your your next two guys, Now I I think they'll keep six. There's a possibility they keep seven. Mm -hmm. But the general number around the league is six. Those guys have to be special teams players. Right. And if they're not – and so you can get a guy that might be – Seventh or eighth on the depth chart as far as talent as a wide out, mm-hmm. but he's the best special teams guy. And so he's gonna make your team. Mm-hmm. And the other guy's gonna get cut and end up, you know, back on the practice squad if he clears waivers. Mm-hmm. So that 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 that's a big key when you're putting uh, the squad together. I, I like the one late signing they had in Tajay Sharp. Mm-hmm. He had good production. He's played on special teams, so you know he can do it. He's got size. He's a pure X receiver. Uh, He fits the mold. That again, we're going back to to what Green Bay used because that's the only thing we got to use as a guide right now until we see what they line up with in September. You know, that's what we got to go on. So, uh, you know, I I think he could be an interesting guy. Uh, The other one they signed late that could be a a real interesting guy is uh, Dante Pettis. Dante Pettis was a high draft pick. Uh, Great player. Great returner. Nine return touchdowns in college. And uh, can run like a deer. Uh, Hadn't played worth a damn since he's been in the league. He played pretty good as as a rookie. And then since then, he hasn't done anything. He's been with a couple other teams the talent is there. There's questions on, does he really love football? How tough is he? That type of thing. You go back, and, and I've gone back and looked at a lot of tape of him when he was at the University of Washington, and you would never question his toughness looking at that tape. So I you know, I don't know what the issue is. Um, he can't play teams and that he can be a return guy. Mm-hmm. I have no idea whether he can cover kicks. And if he can't cover kicks, he isn't going to make the team. You won't. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, he, he might be around on the practice squad because that that that's where you're, like I said, you're going to, your number five and six guys are going to be guys that that can cover kicks. Seven and eight are going to be on the practice squad and they could be more talented as receivers. And if somebody gets hurt, they get brought up.
0: You've seen a lot of uh, Stefan Diggs when he was with the Vikings. I'm sure some a lot of his college tape and with now the Buffalo Bills. Danger T asks, do you think Darnell Mooney can be a Stefan Diggs type player? Can he be a number one wide receiver?
1: Well, he's a number one right now. I think reality is he's a he's he's a two, and he's a real good two. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not an X. He's a Z, and the Z means he's is. Remember the old terminology: split end and flanker. Mm-hmm. Okay, he's a flanker. He's okay. the guy off the ball. Yeah, um, and and he can play on the slot. You know, mm-hmm. it, it remains to be seen how how these guys are going to use him. We'll find that out in another couple months. Uh, yeah, I think he's a hell of a talent. Uh, Diggs is bigger. Diggs is close to two hundred pounds. He's six feet tall, where Mooney is five ten, and um, you know, he might be, they list him at 175. He might be a buck 80 now. Uh, he doesn't have the frame to get a lot bigger than that, but he's pretty strong. He's gone two years now without getting hurt. Mm-hmm. And he takes some, some pretty good hits. So the, the, the durability is there. Uh, there have been smaller guys. Uh, I'll tell you the guy that, that he would remind me more of then digs and i'm going back a little bit and you're going to like the name is marvin harrison yeah i love that name <laughs> okay s- similar size mm-hmm. similar speed interesting you know and and you know talent. i i think mooney's a hell of a talent i really do yeah what um, a steal. yeah yeah i well you know no part of that was it's was COVID. Mm. You you had no workouts. So you and, and he ran four three five at the combine or four three six of the combine. Mm-hmm. And you go back and you look at his, his Tulane team. Now Tulane sucked, but he didn't. He was pretty damn good. And he had a lot of deep balls when he was at, at Tulane, ran away from people. Uh, but I think you looked at his size, you know. He, he, I think at the combine he was a 170, 172, something like that. And then coming from Tulane and you say, well, you know, what's he going to do in our league? And, and then you didn't, you didn't have the opportunity to go in and work them out and spend time with them. And so he slips. And, and, and really that's been the last two drafts, not just his draft.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And you're going to see more of it. Well, this year you're, you're going to catch up just that this is going to be another deep draft in that, you know, I've been doing some work for a, a sports agency Going through players to see, you know, who they can should go after as far as what level they are, the A-level players, B level players, etc. And uh, there's a lot of six-year guys this year. I mean, I've already done about 10 or 12 where I've looked at pretty good football players that are going into their sixth year because they can't. Mm-hmm. The NCAA is letting them doing it. They're giving them those free years because of COVID
0: and as we learn more about this offense Luke Getz's offense that uh, you know he's bringing of course a lot of things from Green Bay but uh, he's adding his own flair to to things we're learning that uh, one of the things he really works hard at is scheming wide receivers open and we may see an offense where we won't have a uh, a star wide receiver we'll have multiple players with 50 plus catches um, and just pulling that number out of my butt. But uh, that's what I'm learning about Getze and what he wants to achieve here with Chicago. What else can you tell us about what you've learned, heard about Getze's uh, passing scheme and how it could help with wide receiver court?
1: Well, again, I, I go back and and look at, at Green Bay and and Green Bay had a, a solid number one. But after that, they intermingled Mm -hmm. another four guys, you know, some got more play time than others, but, you know, and I think they, they tried to create mismatches depending on, on who the opponent was. Um, you know, the kid from Iowa state, uh, he he's developed into their number two, but it was really not till last year that he became a solid number two. Um, and is he a true number two in the league? I mean, put it this way if I was gonna take a, a a a true two, I'll take Mooney over him every day of the week. Mm. Um and that's uh Lazard I'm talking about.
0: Yeah, uh yeah, I, I was just hoping that he would become a free agent, but he yeah. did sign his contract. Well he was a
1: yeah, he was a, a restricted free agent, talented guy. Yeah, um, very I love him, yeah, and, and good route runner. You know, his problem is was he, he wasn't very fast.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just uh, letting people in the chat know that I am collecting all of your questions. We've already got a question about the defense. We'll get to uh, those non-skill player uh, questions later. Keep uh, keep sending them on. I, I'm, I'm starring them and we'll tackle them a little later. Anything else regarding this wide receiver group that we should uh, know? Um, you know, I'm one of the players here that uh, I'm anxious to see when I head over to camp at Hallis Hall is. Daz Newsome, the the second year player, um, who his college tape looked really impressive to me. And he, he could end up being a Darnell Mooney type player. Any thoughts on him?
1: Well, I, I I don't agree with you on that one. And here's why I don't think he can run. I thought he was, you know, he ran like four, five, seven, something like that coming out. Um, and, they, you know, they didn't have a combine his year, so th- they only had their pro day, so he had one chance to run. Uh, on tape, college tape, he looked faster than that. Mm-hmm. And he's got and he's got some returnability, catches the ball well. Uh, but then when you watched him last year, he looked slow. He didn't look 4.57. He looked 4.65. Mm. And now part of that is that if you're not – Really sure what you're doing, you just don't play fast. You may think you're running fast, but you're thinking so much that you just don't get those legs moving as quickly as you think they should be moving. And you end up playing perfect example, Kevin White. Kevin White was a four-three-five guy that played four six five.
2: Mm-hmm. Interesting.
0: All right, well, let's uh, now move over to the tight ends. And we have uh, on the roster, according to uh, ChicagoBears.com, Chase Allen, Ryan Griffin, Ryson, Ryson John, Cole Komet, James O'Shaughnessy, and Jake Tongs. Uh, overall impression of this tight end room?
1: Um, Interesting, because there's two older vets that have had relatively – Good production as backups, and that's what they'd be here, and that's Ryan Griffin and O'Shaughnessy. Mm-hmm. And I think O'Shaughnessy is a local kid, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Griffin, I think, spent most of his time with – no, O'Shaughnessy with Jacksonville. Griffin, I think, spent some time with a uh, a, a bunch of teams. Part of it was with uh, Kansas City, and, and so Poles is, is familiar with them. Uh, right now, I would say going into camp, Cametto, Shaughnessy, and Griffin would be your top three, and I don't know who two and three would be. Mm-hmm. You know, we haven't seen any of these guys. The interesting rookie is Chase Allen from Iowa State, and he was really the number two tight end at, and they played a lot of two tight ends at Iowa State. But he's a he's a why he can line up at the at, at the end of the line of scrimmage and and. Knock the hell out of you. He's a pretty good blocker, and he's not that he's a big guy. He's just really good at that particular trait. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I I think that he's a guy that where he might not make the the varsity. He could be a, a practice squad guy, or maybe he he uh, has a strong preseason and beats out either O'Shaughnessy and Griffin. Uh, you know the previous regime liked to keep four tight ends. I think because, and we'll get to it in a minute, you're going to have a fullback here. Right. And that's blasting game. Mm-hmm. And it's not that the fullback is used as a runner. You know, you might make him feel good and give him the ball once a game. Uh, but he's a blocker. But he can also be a receiver. And um, blasting game is a real good receiver out of the backfield. He can be that... Um, wingback, offset fullback, eye fullback, lead blocker. He does all those things you want him to do. He doesn't have the size that the traditional tight end has, but so what? I mean, the, you know, Green Bay and, and San Francisco, which is that they all got that same uh, offense uh, and, you know, started by the elder uh, Shanahan really is where it began. And they use a fullback in that particular offense. Not not necessarily a lot, but you find places for him, And so he's an important part. So because of that, I think the max they keep is three tight ends. And then your fourth guy is the fullback. And they only got one fullback going into camp. So, you know, he's he's the only guy.
0: Hmm. Cole Komet, uh, do you expect? Uh, and you've you've talked a lot about Cole, and that a lot of fans have unfair expectations for him. Um, and, and so, tell us what your expectations are for Cole uh, this season.
1: Last year, he caught what sixty passes? Correct. Okay, I I see him in that same area again, sixties to say 75
2: receptions, mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, people, and, and we've said this before, so there's no sense repeating it. We'll just touch it briefly. He's not a move tight end. He's a wide. Now, can you split him out a little bit on some occasions? Yes. But he's not the guy that in, in your offense is flexed out all the time. Mm-hmm. And as that moved up. And is that move guy. He is a more blocker than he is. And he's real good at what he does. Mm-hmm. He's a big 265 pound guy that's athletic, catches the ball well. You know, he ran pretty good for a tight end coming out, but I don't think he necessarily plays that fast. Mm-hmm. Um, but w- when you look at his numbers, his numbers aren't all that different than the Kansas City guy. Mm hmm. You know, I think the difference in, in, in the forty speed is a half a tenth, and Comet actually did better than everything else. You know, but he doesn't play like that on the field. He plays like a Y, and he's a damn good Y. You know, and, and I think he's going to be a, a, a very important part of the offense, but not you know not a hundred reception guy, but more. You know, somewhere between sixty and seventy-five, and that's that's a solid year.
0: Yeah, and I agree with Jordan here. Is that uh, Komet has been solid, but has been clouded in a in a bad offense. Uh, it, you know, his his rookie season it, it was unbelievable how little lack of trust there was in him. Um, and I understand the tight end position is is the, perhaps the most difficult of all positions outside the quarterback, because you got to learn how to block on certain assignments. You got to learn the route tree and so forth. So it's it's a complicated position, but I don't think Matt Nagy did him any favors. Well, first of all,
1: uh, tight end is a misnomer. It's a bastard position and it's really two positions. (laughs) It's true. You got the Y and you got the move guy. They should Mm -hmm. give the Y and, you know, call them Y, give a set name. Yeah, and, like and, the edge and, and part of it has to do with with the contract because mm. these guys that that are yeah. predominantly the move tight ends, the Ys, H's, F's, however you want to call them, mm-hmm. you, they want like wide receiver money because they're always split out. But when it comes to contract time and the NFLPA and the league groups all these guys together, it really isn't fair. Mm-hmm. Because they're two separate positions and they should be divvied up as, as two separate positions.
0: Hmm. Uh, CJ has a question. He says, does this offense use a U tight end often or more three wide receiver sets? What have, what have you seen from uh, your, you watching green Bay tape?
1: Well, if you watch green Bay tape, they're, they're playing more uh, one tight end, three wide receiver. Mm-hmm. But I think part of that has to do with your personnel. who do you have? Yeah. Who's your second you know who's your second tight end? who's your third tight end? And do you have that guy that can be a really good move tight end and 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 use them accordingly?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know you just adjust all you're doing when you have that guy, you just have him in there instead of that little slot
0: receiver-hmm. Jordan says the tape that he has seen is that uh, the offense will often feature three tight ends, and with uh, Ryan Griffin, there he is. That's Bennett.
1: I don't know why he's barking though. There's nobody there.
0: <laughs> he's right behind you. Let me run
1: out the door here. Hold on.
0: <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That is Bennett. I met him a couple of weeks ago. He is super friendly, although he looks like he looks like Greg. Actually, somebody who would kick your ass. Friendly looking guy will kick your ass. <laughs> and Greg can't hear me, but uh, that was fantastic. Bennett is wor- welcome on this show anytime he wants. <laughs>
2: He's too-
1: Protecting dog.
0: Yeah, he, he really, really is.
1: If somebody <laughs> if somebody goes by, he's going to give him a hell.
0: I love
2: it.
1: As you saw, he won't hurt anybody. <laughs> I, I should I shouldn't advertise that. I want him to scare the yeah, hell out of people.
0: Yeah. Trust me, he's he he will hurt you if necessary. <laughs> he's a big, strong dog. Um, where were we? We were talking about the three tight ends. Uh, and uh, you know, this team, I was saying that Ryan Griffin, when he was asked, uh the new tight end on the on the squad, when he was asked to describe the offense, the very first thing he said is we're gonna run the ball. And so three tight end formations, you're gonna see quite a few of that, I would imagine, if they're gonna be running the ball, you know, fifty percent or more.
1: Well, you're gonna see at least two, and you're gonna and you're gonna see the why, and then the F U H move, however you want to call him, let's give him a term for for our. Let's call him the U, and then mm-hmm. okay, he you know he could be used as a wing, mm-hmm. okay, and and he could be on right off you know the, the the ass of the the wide tight end, or he could be on the other side, but it it it, uh, um, it doesn't really matter, but. It, he he's gotta be a blocker first and then he's a receiver second.
0: Mm-hmm. And one more uh, point about Komet. I just had a uh, chat comment up about Komet that uh, he's a serviceable tight end, and I think he's maybe, hopefully, a little bit more than that. But one of oh, the he's a lot,
1: he's a lot better than that. Yeah.
0: Uh, one of the things that I just hope to see is that there aren't any boneheaded plays from uh, Komet now that he's in his what third season or is it third fourth, season? Third yeah, third season. You know, he should be past that and uh, know what the first down marker is. Um, make uh, the simple catches. And, you know, he's, there's been a few times where he's just frustrated the hell out of fans, and that's why he gets this title of being serviceable. Uh, my, my good friend Dan Aguirre calls him a bust certain times, and as soon as he text, no, texts uh, with me, no. Komet is a bust, then Komet has a 25-yard reception. So uh, uh,
1: You know what? Some of that stuff, I, I'm going to put some of that on coaching
2: mm-hmm.
1: because you – that gets down to go, getting to the finer details in practice during the week. And you go over that stuff. You know, where is the first down marker? Mm-hmm. Okay, you got third and eight. So you're running that route, that short route at nine or ten, not six. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's a practice thing. And that is on the coaches. Not necessarily the player gets blamed, but it's really on the coaches.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I agree with you. And uh, one of the things that has impressed me the most uh, during the last few months is how uh, well these coaches are being coached by the coordinators and the head coach. It seems like they have a great, great plan. Uh, And uh, I haven't heard any interviews with position coaches yet. I hope that we can have access to that uh, during training camp. But the way the coordinators have talked about – their plan and helping players get better uh, is just very impressive to me. All right. Um, let us move on now to the position of running backs and that fullback that we talked about. Uh, oops, wrong graphic. Let's put this one up. Uh, Kerry game, Tristan Ebner, the rookie, Darrington Evans picked up from uh, Tennessee, Khalil Herbert, his rookie season. He was quite impressive when he filled in for David Montgomery. And then a the guy I don't know anything about the Montre Tuggle. What do you think about this running back room?
1: I, I like the group, and and you know what I've seen of Evans has been pretty good. He's a good receiver, but the and, and they signed him before they drafted Ebner, if I'm correct on that. Yes. But Ebner is really an interesting guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, Ebner is a bigger version of Tariq Cohen. Now, Cohen is a little bit faster uh, time-wise, but I don't know if you're going to see it on the field that he's any faster. And and this guy has got three or four inches, at least four inches on, on uh, Cohen in height and, and 20, 25 pounds in weight. He's fast. He's a very good return guy, uh, both punt and kickoff. Excellent returner out of the uh or receiver out of the, the backfield. Mm-hmm. I think his one skills are good, not great. They're not in uh, not in the category of, of uh, Khalil Herbert and, and David Montgomery. Overall, might be the strongest position group on the team.
0: Mm. Yeah, I agree with that. That and the, the safeties to me, I'm, I'm impressed with defensive backfield, I should say. But let's listen to what Iberflus uh, said about Abner a couple of weeks ago. What we saw on tape, you know, in college, you know, just an explosive athlete that can run the whole route tree, as you saw today um, on that great catch he made. And, and uh, he's been really learning a, a lot. Uh, he's, a, he's a mature young man, and we like where he is um, in terms of learning the offense and what kind of man he is. So we're, we're excited about where he is right now. I'm excited, too. I mean, that, that this room is loaded with talent. And another player uh, that you mentioned, uh, Darrington Evans, uh, this guy is, is going to be a, a secret weapon, I believe, even though he's, he's got, what, three, four years in the league.
1: Yeah, but I, I, I can't see them, especially because they have Blassingate. Mm-hmm. I can't see them keeping on the 53 more than three running backs. So who's going to be the odd guy out? Yeah, you know, and and you get into the draft. Did they go into the draft planning to draft um, Ebner? Probably not. You know, you have him lined up on the board, and then you say, "Wow, he's still there, and we, and we got to take him." You know, but as you can see here, he's he's good out of the backfield. He can run. He, he's got some size, but. Ebner does the same thing on a rookie contract, and he's an explosive kickoff returner. I don't think he's as good a punt returner as he is a kickoff returner. But, you know, I've said this before, too. They've drafted and signed guys that have return skills. Their return game is probably as deep than or deeper than it's ever been since I've been around here, and I'm 21 years here now. And we had, you know, we had the, one of the best in the game and, and should be a Hall of Famer and, and uh, you know, our one guy. But uh, this group, when you got Dante Pettis, you got um, uh, Valus Jones, you got Ebner, you got several guys just, uh, that can return kicks. It'll, it, uh, Daz Newsom. You know, <laughs> none of them are Devin, mm-hmm. right? But
0: that's for sure. wow, well,
1: who knew Devin was going to be Devin <laughs> when we drafted him? We wanted him to be good, but he turned out to be great. Mm-hmm. But you know, I I think this the the depth of the return people on this roster is just awesome. That's as good as you got in the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: Uh, I agree with C.J. Williams is that Ebner uh, is probably a prime candidate for the practice squad. And, you know, every every time you say that, people say, oh, he'll be probably picked off by another team. Usually teams, there's so many quality running backs for, for teams. They usually you can stash wide receivers and running backs pretty successfully, wouldn't you say? I mean, every general manager falls in love with their skilled players, with the exception of te- teams that are depleted by injury.
1: Well, yeah, yeah. you're 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 going to like your own guys better than what's across the street. Right. But at the same time, there's always guys that you wanted to draft that somebody took a couple <laughs> slots true. before you're able to pick, and 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 you're going to like if this guy gets cut, I'm jumping on him. Mm-hmm. And and you never know who those guys are, you know, and and what are the bears, what six, seven, something like that. And priority this year and on the waiver claim, at least for the first part of the season and and during the preseason that that's a, a a good tool for him. Mm
2: -hmm. So uh,
1: but I disagree with you that he's a practice squad guy. And one of the reasons what, well, first his skill set is returnability and, and his uh, ability to catch out of the backfield. Uh, But second, He's been mentioned more than once in the offseason, and when you start mentioning these guys this early, they've already jumped out and caught the attention of the coaches. You like them when you're drafting them, you're right, but when you start mentioning their name publicly this early, they mm-hmm. like them, yeah.
0: Um, okay, let's get to some questions here. <laughs> We've got, I think we talked about this last show, but um. <sighs> Actually, let me save that question. Let me let's go here because you were just talking about Devin Hester and Mr. God, I forgot how pronounce your name. Uh, Mr. Sor- Sor- Shorty, is it? Uh, uh, phonetically spell it for me. But anyway, his question is: that De- Devin was Devin drafted for his returnability, or was the plan to have a Matt Corner
1: returnability? And wherever you could line up. I mean, originally we lined him up. He was the number five corner.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And he wasn't gonna really see the field as a corner. And then I think we talked about this once. What happened was uh, he only had a ten man practice squad back then, and in fact, it might have even been eight men when when we first drafted Devin. And because of that, guys like Devin, who was who was the fifth corner, he had to play wide receiver in practice on the scout team.
2: Hmm.
1: Okay. And nobody could cover him. <laughs> so after that, you know, when you, when you see what he could do in practice, then it was like, we're making this guy a receiver. So that decision was made at the end of the season to move him over to the other side of the ball and let him be uh, become a wide receiver.
0: Hmm. Do you think that um, he – was handled correctly as a wide receiver. I mean, it, the the team at a certain point in his career appeared to be depleted at wide receiver, and he, I think, he went into one season as the number one wide receiver on on the, on the team. Uh, I think they
1: put a little bit too much on him. Yeah, and and he was never going to be more than a three. And if you asked him to be more than a three, you were asking too much. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Who was the safety we drafted after Devon? Was that uh Graham?
1: the, the well De- Corey Graham was taken in the sixth round, mm-hmm. and Corey was uh drafted to be a corner and he played corner here. We wanted him to move to safety, he wouldn't do it. Really? And then and that's why he left in free agency. He left after four years, mm-hmm. and he went to a Pro Bowl one year as a uh special teams cover guy, great special teams guy. And the, the, the coaching staff wanted him to move to safety. And he said, no, I'm, not, I'm a corner. Well, he, he goes to Baltimore, he ends up playing safety. And then he goes to Buffalo and he plays safety. And he was a damn good safety.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's talk about, let's tackle some more questions here. Ron uh, asked, do you expect the Bears offense to have a slow start with all the new players? And that's typically what people think is, you know, it's going to be a slow start because of new offense, new players, uh, so many new things. But at the same time, like we mentioned earlier, I think a week ago, Greg, the opposing team doesn't have any film <laughs> on Getsy's offense.
1: Well, that, that's true. And, and then there's this. When, when you're in, in your off-season program and the first part of training camp, you're throwing the whole playbook at these guys. Okay. Well, then it gets pared down, and then you're, you you get into the regular season, not, not in the preseason. You, you, you have a bare bones game plan in, in the regular or in the preseason mm-hmm. where it, it's, you know, we want to try to get the ball to certain people in certain situations, things like that. But no real, it's not like you're trying to beat people. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, or try to scheme against them. You never do that. It's all very vanilla, but once you get into the regular season, your playbook is cut way down and it can change from week to week, depending on who you're playing, you know, so there's going to be things you're going to use week one that you're not going to use week two and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And, and so, then i think it becomes a little easier because you're you're practicing that game plan during the week to really focus in on certain things. Mhm.
0: All right, great quite a great response. Uh by the way, Daniel Manning is uh who
1: well he went the second round. They both were were second round picks in that uh 2006 draft.
0: Great. Players, both of those second round picks were outstanding. Who was who was the first rounder? There was no first rounder. We yep. traded
1: out of the first round. We had a late first. We traded out of the first, mm-hmm. so we could and and uh, we've talked about that. So it was we wanted to have uh, we wanted to take Devin, but we wanted to get a, a, a pure position player too. Mm-hmm. And so, in order to do that, we really had a trade out and mm-hmm. and and to to do things the way we wanted to do it and then pick up we didn't have that uh, we ended up taking dusty to I think with the extra pick we picked up but it it we didn't have a pick in that area so that that's why the trade was made
0: you still in touch with uh, dusty
1: uh yeah i used to, i well, when he was doing a um radio show yeah. in Oklahoma city. Now he, he does a, a, a national show and I haven't been on a show, but he was doing a local show
2: mm-hmm.
1: a lot. And and we text back and forth, you know, Dusty's lost a ton of weight. Dusty yeah. played here. He's about three Oh five. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I did a thing down at the, at AT&T stadium about four or five years ago. Um, it was on ESPN, but it actually was, you know, this group up here in Chicago was actually the people that put it on. Mm-hmm. And I was involved in it. And uh, Dusty was one of the commentators along with Bill Poley and, and a, a couple other people. And, and um, that was the first time I saw Dusty in person in a while. And, you know, he's probably 220, 225 now, you know, you'd never, and, and he used to have hair down to here. Mm-hmm. You know, he looked like a wild man when, when he was uh, playing football here, and he's just a totally uh, different-looking guy now and a really a great guy, too. Yeah. Good that, family man. He's got a super wife, super kids.
0: Cool. I've heard that about him. I, uh, we'd love to have him on the show. Maybe we can get a hold of him, uh, talk some college football and, uh, and, and recall some memories with the Bears. He's
1: becoming quite a, I don't want to say star, but <laughs> he moves up the ladder. Yeah. You know he gets better games every year.
2: Mm -hmm. You know he was
1: like their number six guy, and now he's probably their number two guy. Mm -hmm. You know in college football, as far as the uh, um, and and I don't know, is Herb Street going to do both games this year? Is he going to do college and pro?
0: I believe so. After the Thursday, I'll tell you what.
1: That's that's going to last about one year. That's (laughs) not.
0: I would agree with that. That is not.
1: and I know we're off topic here. You know, the, the tough part isn't calling the game. It's the mm-hmm. prep. Mm-hmm. Those guys really work hard watching tape during the week. So they know what the hell they're talking about. And you're going to prep for a Thursday night pro game. And you're, you're going to be in the city of that game on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be interviewing the, 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 coaches and and some players to be prepared for that Thursday night. And, Then on right away on early Friday morning he's got to go to wherever he's gonna be doing well uh, that that pregame kickoff show game day,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and then there's a lot of times where he does game day, and then flies halfway across the country to do a game at night. But you still that prep is crazy, and now add the uh, you know the pro game Thursday with that. Mm-hmm. That's I, I can say one year and then he's going to be he's going to find out he can't do two a week. It's yeah. just too di- it's too difficult, especially with the Thursday and Saturday. Yes. You know, so, some of the Fox guys have done Thursday and Sunday. At least you have an extra day in between.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I uh, I agree totally with you. And sometimes, you know, when analysts take on that huge role of, of multiple games a week, I I I wonder if they are fully prepared you know because that's a lot of work like you just said so uh back to our questions here uh mr shorty says i have a question for greg can you see a scenario where brisker is playing sam and crookshank is playing strong safety along with jackson at free safety in certain scenarios actually i see
1: the reverse crookshank really where he got noticed and why the bears wanted to bring him in is was he was the dime cover guy and which meant diming, mean you go to 60 B's mm-hmm. and t- technically he was down in the box and he was half linebacker, half cover guy. And more often than not, when he was in the game, he was man to man on top of playing that like linebacker position. He was man to man on a tight end so I see him continuing that role and brisker playing deeper, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and it'll play out. The whole thing will play out in, in training camp and early in the season. And when, especially when they practice those situations, but that's why he was brought in. I mean, and I'm sure he was brought in to be the, the starting strong safety, but you know, you do things in March and you don't know exactly what's going to be there in April at the draft. And then, you know, somebody falls in, into your lap that you really like and, and you can't say no to them.
0: Yeah. He, um, Brisker has said uh, in his interviews that he loves to play the box. He told Eddie Jackson that, and Eddie Jackson was <laughs> deliriously happy about it. And uh, but he says, he says, and I think the tape bears this out, that he likes to drop back in coverage too. So he's that versatile player that NFL is looking for in safeties. Can play the box and, and and play that deep cover. Um, we got a question from Jordan here. He's asking about Valus Jones. How do you see him being deployed, Greg? Bubble screens. Kodak routes, speed out. I don't know what a Kodak. You know,
1: is. You know I, I, I think his guess is as as good as mine. Is he going to be an outside guy? Is he going to be? A, I, I, think personally, for lack of a better term, he's going to be a gadget guy to start off, mm-hmm. and which means he'll be doing some returns, might even carry the ball a little bit, and uh, and you know. That one guy in the media said he's small. Bullshit. <laughs> the guy's put together. Yes, uh, is. <laughs> and probably some slot and maybe some outside. I, I think they're going to use him. In, I don't think he's going to be the so called three. I think he's going to be four, but mm-hmm. used in special situations at, while he's getting up to speed. And then. As he gets up to speed, it becomes more comfortable, uh-huh. and and really, you don't have we don't have the answer to that. The coaches don't have the answer to that until you see what he's what he's able to do at full speed. Once they get into a, a, a real training camp situation, and then it, and, into the preseason, and say what can he handle and what can he handle, and if if he can do a lot, they're going to have him do a lot because you're telling the guy hey, who who runs four three one. And he's got great open field running skills. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Um, in the final press conference before the break, uh, Coach Iberflus talked about uh, telling the players stay in shape, stay out of trouble, uh, all the things that all coaches tell teams since for decades now. Do you recall a scenario in your NFL experience where um, players during the break – did something that wasn't kosher or maybe the opposite that uh, you were really proud of uh, during the break? Not
1: with any team that I was associated with, but Mm -hmm. then um, what the hell's the defensive end for Tampa? He blew his damn hand off on the 4th of
0: July. Oh yeah. Um, uh, He, he, he was with the giants at the time.
1: Yeah. 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 And,
0: and. uh, name.
1: And I'll tell you what, I, I remember going down to uh, South Florida and scouting that guy. God, was he a good player in college. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I was with Sadowski. We were there together. And the guy mm-hmm. was, you know, and we were like, we were in a room together. And we didn't want to say, you know, much about him. And and Jordan just put up Jason Pierre-Paul. Um, I'm getting old, Jordan. I can't remember names <laughs> all the time. <laughs> Same <here. laughs> so, uh So, but, yeah, I, I tweeted out. Last week or the other day, I said, this is the worst time of the year for coaches and GMs. <laughs> you really don't have any control over these guys for like six weeks. Mm-hmm. And, and every day you're freaking praying. I mean, mm-hmm. look what happened with, with the Ravens the other day. They lost a linebacker mm-hmm. at 26 years old. Ferguson he, he died. At, and I, I read a thing last night that um, the police are saying, Foul play and that it might have been an overdose. Now, I don't want to say, you know, but it's not like he got in a car accident or something like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this stuff just, it's crazy. And it seems like every year you don't see a lot, but it's one or two. And, and you're always praying, please don't be any of my guys.
0: <laughs> exactly. It is, it is scary. But one of the things that I'm really, uh, uh, feeling comfortable about is the quality of players uh, this management team has brought in. I mean, uh, you know, I can only tell from hearing them speak in press conferences but and reading about their backgrounds and stuff, but they just all seem to say the right things. They're polite, like Valence Jones. I mean, he shows up his first day at, at Hallis Hall. He's wearing a, a business suit. He's carrying a briefcase. And so many of these other Click uh, players have projected that – all business attitude, very professional. So, I'm hoping we don't have a uh, uh, any incidences like uh, other teams have had in the past. Certainly, don't want a player to lose a couple of fingers. Hey, the we time. got
1: like four and a half weeks to go, five weeks to go before their report, and it, it's. Uh, um, I'll tell you, it's every day. It's not 24 hours. It seems like it's 34 hours mm-hmm. because you just. Please phone. Don't ring.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, we have a question about the linebackers from Matthew for He he's, this has been an an, an issue that on a number of other shows has been discussed. What do you feel about this linebacker situation? Do you feel like there's enough talent or, or or depth on the team? Let me uh, see if I can pull up the linebacker position from the uh, bears website, but, uh, Overall, are you do you have any concerns about the the linebacker position? Well,
1: you know, in, in today's game, you're playing for the most part two linebackers. Mm-hmm. Okay, especially within this scheme. So, you know, you're going to have your your Will and your Mike. And we know who those two are going to be, which one's going to be the will, which one's going to be the Mike. I don't know. It's going to be Morrow and Roquan, Mm -hmm. but who's going to line up where? I don't know. Uh, We'll find out. And I don't know if the coaches know. Then the third linebacker, if that third linebacker plays 15% of the downs, that's going to be a lot. Mm. So he's going to be really a guy that, In other words, you're not going to keep two Sam's on your roster. You're going to keep two guys that can play they can play Sam, but they can also play Will and or Mike.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And I think so. When you look at it that way, I I think they're fine. You know, it used to be you'd have because of special teams, you'd have a, a you know a high number of linebackers, but when you're only playing two. You know, I, I wouldn't shock me that you, that when the fifty three comes out, you only got five linebackers on the roster, mm-hmm. and then you're going to have a few on on the practice squad. Yeah,
0: I'm with uh, Matthew Fochiisi here. He says he likes Jack Sanborn, the linebacker out of Wisconsin. I was surprised he wasn't drafted. Uh, the Bears scooped them up as an undrafted free agent. I think this guy's got potential. Maybe he's they'll stash him uh, in the practice squad per yeah, right. season, but. He could. Be yeah, he,
1: he was a good player at, at um Wisconsin. I don't know if he's quite fast enough.
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, great college player. The the linebacker position has really changed in the last couple of years. Put it this way, and people are gonna, you know, wanna hang me after I say this. Dick Budkus could not play in today's game. <laughs> oh, okay. <no>. And, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Don't say he's a big. That. He's a big, slow. <laughs> you know, it was a different game. Yeah, <laughs> you want the everybody wants smaller, faster guys. Now, Urlacher was a freak. Mm-hmm. Erlacher was a big guy who ran four or five. But you want guys like Roquan, six foot. Look at Moro. Moro is is five eleven and a half, six foot. 225 pounds. He runs a four-five. Roquan is six, little over six feet, 230 pounds. He runs a four-five-one, and that's what people all over the league are looking for because you want you're only playing two, and they have to be able to cover, and you've got to have that athleticism to be able to cover. Hmm. The days of seeing this guy, you know, these real big guys. Some teams are going to use them, especially if they're playing a three-four defense and you're playing in your base you're going to have them sometimes but you you're really looking for it and, and it started a couple years ago you're seeing bigger safeties moved over to the linebacker position mm-hmm. because of that and they become your nickel linebacker they might not play on base down but how often do you have a base down now when you're when you're playing in, in your sub package 85 percent 80 85 percent of the time that means you've got extra defensive backs on the field and you're only going to have two yeah. linebackers. So the important two right now are Rokon. We don't, I don't have the whole roster in front of me, but you know, Rokan and Morrow. And I'll tell you, the guy, you know, I liked him last year and I still like him now. And I think he will be the, quote, Sam, if they use it, and that's
0: Thornton. Hmm. Interesting. Um, somebody who's kind of flying under my radar, but uh... – No, we talked
1: about and then he played last year and got hurt. Yeah, yeah, got a chance to play and he was real good on special
0: teams. Yeah, Um, Nomad asked a question earlier and I forgot to save it, but uh, essentially he was asking about Tevin Jenkins and. Um, you know, he, uh, Jenkins appeared on Olin's podcast and said that perhaps, you know, he wasn't in his best shape and which is could be the reason why he was moved to the twos.
1: Well, I don't know if he really said that because he didn't want to talk about that. Because they, okay. they, you know, Olin, I listened to it. Did okay. you listen to it? No, I did not. Okay, I listened to it. And um, he, well, first of all, he's buying into Jimmy Arthur's it, it was a very interesting, say 20 minute, 22 minute segment. Mm-hmm. And he talked about how, you know, the speed of the game is different. and and really, missing training camp really hurt him because then he was thrown to the wolves without having any practice. Right. And once when he was ready to play, He probably only had for the rest of that season three or four padded practices. Yet he had a lineup and play. That's hard to do. You know, he doesn't have that, that six weeks of training camp where he's getting ready. And, but he, he's bought in to Jimmy's program, which is, you know, we've talked about a lot. It's percentage of body fat, it's not necessarily size, it's muscle mass percentage of 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 body fat. And he a couple times in that podcast mentioned that like when he first got to college he was at thirty two percent body fat, which was way too fat. yeah and you know, he'll be, I'm gonna say right now, once they get to training camp in another month, five weeks, he's going to probably be in somewhere between 20 and 22%, which is going pretty good for a, an offensive lineman. Uh, and I would say he's going to probably be in that 315, 318-pound range. I think he was around 315 at, at his pro day a year ago because they didn't have a combine. Uh, but then Juan Castillo wanted those guys bigger, and then they – you know, they had to put weight back on. Uh, But he also mentioned that he did not, he didn't feel when he got in to the game and started playing and saw the speed of the game Mm -hmm. that he knew his upper body was strong enough. He didn't feel he was strong enough through the core. Mm -hmm. And that was an area that, that he said, I still got to improve on. And, and Olin asked him flat out, you know, well, why do you think he got moved? He goes, oh, I, uh, or don't you want to talk about it? he goes, I'd rather not talk about it. Hmm. And so, but I, you know, just just watching this thing and, and they, they want to have the best five mm-hmm. and they're doing exactly what uh, Flew said they were going to do. He said, we're going to go six practices with one group and we're going to make some switches and then go six practices with another group. And that's exactly what they did, okay. But where Tevin, with, with offensive linemen and with defensive linemen, you can run around all you want in shorts. It's not going to tell you who the hell is going to be a good football player, okay? <laughs> it, and, uh, sure. uh, it's more assignment-driven. Who's picking up the things on assignments and things like that. But it's it's not telling you who's the best player. And mm-hmm. that's a physical football player. And th- the best part about his game is his run blocking. He's a dominant run blocker, so it wouldn't shock me. Somebody asked me yesterday. He goes, uh, "It was on Twitter, and they and they had." I could see the offensive line being, uh, you know, left to right. Braxton Jones at left tackle, Cody Whitehair at left guard, uh, Patrick at center, Boreham at right guard, Tevin Jenkins at right tackle. And I said, I agree with you on the five, except I think you're going to flip flop. Borum, they seem to like borum at tackle. Yep. And the guards got to be athletic in, in this outside zone scheme. They got to be able to play in space. And that's one thing. Tevin is actually more athletic than than Borum is. And, mm-hmm. and you look at his testing numbers, and his testing numbers are excellent. So it wouldn't shock me. I, I thought originally Tevin right tackle, and then Borum right guard, but now I'm thinking, you know what. Wouldn't shock me if Tevin ends up being the right guard. And so what the hell is the difference? Yeah, you know, right? and, and the right guard's got to play in space. He's got to go out and pull. He's got to get to the second level. And he's got that athleticism to do that where I'm not sure Borum has that, mm-hmm. you know, to play the guard position. And they want to run the ball a lot. He's going to be – he might be the best run blocker they have when it's all said and done. But the coaches don't know that because they haven't seen it. You know, I mean, they, they've they seen it on tape when he was in college, but they haven't seen it for uh, for for themselves in practice. Mm.
0: Got a question here from uh, Jordan. I'd love to hear your response to that. He says that he's a big fan of the, the University of Florida uh, T- uh, Tebow era Gators. Can you explain the thought process behind Major right, why no Ahmad Black or Will Hill? Mean when we drafted Major White, yes,
1: yeah. I, I, yeah, I was involved in that. That was my last year, second last draft. Will Hill was not in that draft, he was the following year. Okay, I find correct. Will Hill could not run, um, Will Hill was like a four seven guy or worse. Watching tape of Major Wright's final year was very frustrating. I might have mentioned this. I watched 17 games of Major Wright. I had to go back to his second last year, and I don't remember if he was a junior when he came out. That's why I say second last year versus senior-junior year. With his final year, I think they had Will Hill and him playing inside of safety. Nobody was throwing the ball inside. Hmm. You watch tape, you watch tape, game after game after game. There was no plays on the ball. So it's like you're you watching the game, you get through with the game. What do you think? I don't know. He didn't make any plays, but he didn't have an opportunity to make any plays because everybody was throwing outside. They were so good down the middle. Everything was outside. So we had to go back to the previous year. And watch, you know, we watched his entire one season and then go back and watch five or six games from the previous year to really get a feel for all his cover skills. Mm -hmm. And he was, you know, we didn't pick till the third round. And there was, and I don't have that draft. If you could pull up that draft, there was three safeties we liked. He -hmm. was third and the other two went before him.
0: And that was a 2009? Or- nine
1: or two. It was nine or 10. Okay. I'm looking for it.
0: <clears throat> That's, uh, the there was a the kid from
1: South Florida and a kid mm-hmm. from Georgia Tech. And The kid from Georgia Tech went to Green Bay in the second round. And the kid from South Florida, I also think, went in the second round. And then we got major right in the third round.
0: Uh, let me see. I'm calling up the uh, 2009. And I think the
1: guy's name from South Florida was Allen.
0: Let's see here. I don't see major right in 2009, so it has to be 2008. All right. No, we'd be 10 then. 10. Oh, yeah, that would make sense. Let's go next season, 2010. Let me put it up on the screen. We'll scroll down. And well, it wasn't until,
1: the third, wasn't until the third round, right? So, so um,
0: I'm not seeing. Oh, there it is, Major right number seventy-five.
1: Right. Okay. Now you're going to see either higher up in the third round or both in the second round. Two safeties went. Yeah. One Morgan from Georgia Burnett. Tech. Morgan Burnett from yeah. from Georgia Tech, and then there was a kid named Allen from South Florida.
2: Okay. Allen.
1: Allen. Allen. You no, know, would have been in the second round. I think Allen yeah. went, okay. and I think he went to Philly hmm. I find correct. Uh, you, know, and, you know, then going back 12 years. But those were the first, Major Wright was the, the third rated guy we, we wanted. There he is, right there. Number 37. All right. right. You know, 30 from really, yeah. So um, that was the first guy we wanted. The kid from Georgia Tech was the second guy we wanted. Major Wright was the third guy we wanted. We got the third guy.
0: And, you know, um, oops, let me. Now
1: you know, and, and you're sitting there waiting because you're not picking until the third round, and that was because of the uh, uh, the color trade. Mm-hmm. That we don't have a pick until
0: the third round. J2K asks, uh, didn't one of those guys get into a car crash and it messed up their career? Do you recall that? Mm. Is it was it Taylor Mays maybe?
1: No, Taylor Mays was Florida State. No, no, Taylor Mays was that. That's another guy. Taylor Mays was. Uh, USC. Taylor Mays, in my opinion, was a figment of the media's imagination. <laughs> you know, one of these guys that the draft Knicks and the media thought was great, and he really wasn't very good.
0: <laughs> and Jordan says he played so- yeah. center field for USC.
1: Yeah, and, and he wasn't a very good player. Yes. I mean, he's a decent college player, but never was anywhere close to being as good as the hype he got. Mm hmm. I remember looking at it saying, this guy sucks.
2: Mm.
0: Here's an interesting uh, question from Mr. Shorty. Uh, why Cedric Benson over Aaron Rodgers when uh, Thomas Jones was better at his position than Grossman?
1: Well, that was um, that's an interesting question. Number one, we liked at, at that time, that was what – year was that 2005 right or
2: 2006
1: Mm -hmm. 2005 i think because uh devon was 2006 so yeah it was 2005 so lovey's Lovey's second draft Mm -hmm. and rex had played pretty good today we drafted rex in 03 and so we weren't um the, the lot. I mean, I could go on for an hour and a half on this because it, it, it's really, it, you know, the whole situation is interesting. Um, Aaron Rodgers, we weren't going to take a quarterback, period.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, we thought Rodgers was going to go first. Smith ends up going first mm-hmm. from Utah to, to San Francisco. Um, nobody, and, you know, and, and Aaron Rodgers is dropping and dropping and dropping. And the only explanation we could come up with – and we were going to take a running back, and, and we, if, if you recall, that's the last draft when running backs really went high. Mm-hmm. Three went in the top five, and two of them were from Auburn. Ronnie Brown went to um, Cadillac Williams, mm-hmm. and and we took SED. And three in the top five, and the guy who actually had the best pro career was SED. Mm-hmm. And but that was the last time that, that running backs there's been running backs that have gone in the top five since then, but never three in the top five, three in the top ten. And and they start, it was really starting then that they they started to lose their value as, as premium draft picks. Mm-hmm. But lovey wasn't sold. On Thomas Jones. Mm. With the players, different story. Yeah. The players love Thomas Jones. Yeah. And you know, then they had Lovey was from Texas, and said was from Texas, and mm. um that was his that was his guy. Um, and interesting. You know, we did a lot of work. I'll tell you now, you look at tape of, of said Benson of Texas.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: and that was one sob now oh yeah very impressive and and cadillac i was never sold on cadillac because and he really didn't have much of a career and i ended up being 100 right cadillac was 210 but he never should have weighed more than 185
2: mm-hmm.
1: he was a small very small 210 and he Played a very physical game, and you knew he was going to get beat up. And he and reality is, he never even got out of his rookie year. Now, yeah, he played a little after that, but he did exactly what I thought was going to happen with him happen. He got beat up terribly. Ronnie Brown had a pretty damn good career, and and the two of them, you know, split time uh, when they were at Auburn together. Uh, so neither one got beaten up that much because they were splitting time where you know said was a real bell cow
2: mm-hmm.
1: at, at Texas. Um but you know again that 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 was a, a the guy Lovey wanted the the veterans never accepted him they they did, you know because they were Thomas Jones was a pros pro mm-hmm. and the vets knew it wow and they were like what the fuck are you drafting this guy for and mm-hmm. it had nothing to do with said it had everything to do with they were taking care of um thomas jones mm-hmm. and i'll tell you what in training camp anytime said touched the ball they'd kick the shit out of him wow
0: welcome to the bears
1: oh god <laughs> i mean the, 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 he paid and mm-hmm. and that it it started a very you know so, yeah, that and that went into a second year too. That was a, it was kind of a soured relationship between the veterans and said mm. that were here and through no fault of said uh, yeah part of it because you know he was like well you know screw you guys then you know mm-hmm. um, but and, and then I don't know if it was it, it, yeah it was two years later we ended up trading Thomas Jones to the Jets yeah uh, but. Uh, Thomas Jones, and and in fairness, Thomas Jones, before we got him, really did nothing. He was a bust. He had one decent year with Tampa. Yeah, you know, he originally played for Arizona, then he uh, played for Tampa Bay. Mm -hmm. um, Got him dirt cheap, uh, and and it was you know late bloomer. For lack of a, a a better term, late developer.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But I'll tell you what, he took care of his body. Man. That guy lived in the weight room,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and and I'll tell you, talk about guns. There's a guy <laughs> who loved his guns. He'd be in the weight room,
2: <laughs>
1: curl after curl after
2: curl. <laughs> he
0: he uh... the
1: biggest guns I ever. Saw. He had a car collector, probably still has a huge car collection.
0: Mm-hmm. He's having a fairly successful uh, acting career now, and so all the best to Thomas Jones. And uh, the late uh, Cedric Benson passed away in August of uh, 2019. It's it's in a
1: a terrible motorcycle accident.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, that brings us to our last question. Actually, do I have to start here? No, that last question. Uh, Chris Watts asks, "Can you tell us, please, the meaning of life?" come oh, on let's go. <laughs> you know what I think the meaning of life is Greg? What? Survival <laughs> because if you don't survive there is no life so every day survive baby uh,
1: that's pretty good
0: <laughs> that's my stock answer I thought of that a couple of years ago as I started having aches and <laughs> all over my body and wondering, wondering wow I'm getting old <laughs> Uh, this has been a lot of fun. Um, we have one more uh, show planned before we take a summer break for most of July. Uh, we will be communicating on social media channels what the schedule is. I think Greg, uh, if you want to do one, uh, the last one uh, next Thursday, uh, let's pencil that in. And then if you we want to,
1: okay. Because I know Tuesday, I'm I got to do a, a deposition, so. It was supposed to be yesterday, and I got moved to Tuesday. So, okay.
0: Well, don't say anything more than that. We don't. We don't. We don't. Want, we don't well, want
1: that's to... just that little side gig I got. There you
0: go. <laughs> um People are probably wondering what well, deposition. What's going on
1: there? <laughs> I'll tell you. It, it's it's a lot of fun. I I can't say much, but it, it it's a lot of fun. <laughs>
0: See, it's Jordan already hit with deposition. <laughs> so you got everybody wondering now. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. But again, another great episode of Gabriel Talks Football. We've got so much more planned. And during the regular season, the day after every game, uh, Greg and I will be here and we'll listen to Greg's uh, evaluation of the game and the players and uh, get you, uh, and as the season gets. Uh, gets going, we'll get you ready for the next draft where the Bears will have a first round draft pick. So that's going to be a lot of fun and part of our barroom co- coverage of the Chicago Bears. Nobody does it like I'll us. I'll tell you what,
1: there's a guy, I, I can't think of his name right now. Maybe I got it written down here somewhere. And I, I just did, so I got it here. Uh, yeah. There's a guy who probably going to come out. Um, was a five-star coming out of high school. It plays defensive end. I think after that, I watched him yesterday mm-hmm. for this uh, group I'm doing some work for. Mm-hmm. I think he's a three technique. He's like 275. I'm not going to mention his name yet because okay. we'll see. What they, but I'll tell you what, I, as, soon, as soon as I started looking, like I was four plays in, I go, this guy's a three.
0: Ooh.
1: Let this guy a three. And, you know, and – you know, just looking at his body type and the, and the way he moves, I think he could be a damn good three.
0: I am shocked that Jordan hasn't started typing in a name because he's he's been looking at tape too. So uh, he says, "Damn it, man, stop being a stinker." And Jordan says, "Give us that name. Give us that name, and tell us about the deposition." <laughs> So, uh, you will be revealing that name in the future here at the, the Barroom Network. Well, I, I did I
1: did three games on them. And, uh, you know, I, I've done like 50 guys already for next year, a lot of which are underclassmen. No, that's not the name. Um, <laughs> Try again. <laughs> so, but, I, I, you know, somebody might not agree with me, which is fine. I just <laughs> – you know, I as uh, soon as I look, I said, This this is the guy you move inside to a three.
0: Mm. Outstanding. Well, uh, hopefully, you'll tell me off the air so I can start looking at some tape of the guy. Um, all right, everybody. Uh, that's going to do it for our. Uh... Our uh, episode here. Where am I what are you getting,
1: here. You're getting confused here? You don't know what we're I,
0: doing? I uh, am. You know why? Because as opposed to the regular ending that I play on these shows, I'm going to go with this ending instead. What was the motivation to get into scouting?
1: I guess I've been analytical. Mm-hmm. In that area, like even when I was like a, a kid. That's Forte's first touchdown, and he autographed it. That's the Pro Bowl players one year. All those are our picks. So that's Briggs, Nate Basher, Tommy Harris. Two things the bigger ones on top, mm-hmm. those were gifts from Parcells when we went to the Super Bowls that he gave all the scouts. See, five Bears, the Bears gave us that. That Ted Phillips gave us his opening night at the New Soldier Field. That's Devin's touchdown in the Super Bowl. Devin autographed that. This is
2: our, our first draft class.